Good morning, Grace Church. It's my honor to be here today to bring the message since all the other guys are gone. Uh, The message today is going to be out of Romans chapter 8, a great 8 has already been mentioned, verses 33 through 39. The sermon title is Inescapable Love, Triumphant Love. Now the sermon in a sentence or two What does all this mean, this inescapable love, this triumphant love? When we are saved, when we become children of God, we are engulfed in his ocean of love. It just comes in us. But immediately the world and our spiritual enemies, which are many, try with all their might to separate us from this love. So as we war against these assaults, we experience a growing confidence in this inescapable, triumphant love. And if you are in Christ, you are in the war. And God is today through these scriptures, God is out to persuade you that nothing, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. So I have two comments to help us connect with the sermon today. One's a long one, and one's a short one. Uh, and the first one's just a reminder for us, and we already uh, went through this before, this I think last week. Our God is a triune God. He is eternal, unbeginning, unending God. He is omnipotent. That's the all-powerful God. He is sovereign. He is in charge of every detail of your life. Don't forget that. And He is holy. Our God is holy. He's immutable. He does not change. And our God is love. This means that God's love is eternal omnipotent, holy, immutable, and that is good news for us. This love, he became a man. Love lay in the manger of Bethlehem. Love worked as a carpenter. Thank you. Worked as a carpenter in Nazareth. And love took our sins in his own body on that Roman cross. And love is the king of heaven today at this very moment. And Jesus is love. And love lives in the believer. And this love, y'all, it never, never fails. And it always wins. And it never, never ends. And this love is to be experienced by us. To be experienced, not this known in your head. Not this spoken from your mouth but it's to be experienced every day as we travel through this sin-filled world and our perception of God's love will grow as we war against our enemies because He is love and He lives in us. So one of our aims today is to feed our confidence that it will grow in this love. And watch it grow day by day, knowing that you're in a war. That was their first comment. 
Jesus' love. Our second comment is a little longer, but it involves old Paul. Now, Paul wrote the book of Romans and several other New Testament books, right? And we meet him in Acts 8, and he is called Saul at this time. And if I counted right, it's uh, 13th chapter of Acts before they start calling Saul, Paul. So it's Saul, the persecutor, he is waging war against the followers of Jesus. He would be waging war against us today. Saul is a Jewish zealot. He's fueled by religious pride and hate. And he was out to eradicate Christianity. Back then they called it the way, okay? In Acts 8, we see uh, Saul, as he made, it says, so for, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison just because you was a follower of Christ. That's Paul now. He wrote the book. Then, then in Acts 9, we hear him. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Like I say, this man wrote the book of Romans that we're reading out of today. Something happened to the persecutor, didn't it? Now, God is sovereign. He's in charge. So here's Saul planning to go down to Damascus to, to persecute the Christians. But listen, on the way to Damascus, Saul encounters Jesus. And the persecutor, Saul, is completely, immediately conquered by divine love, Jesus. And that's something. He changed him. Sovereign, he met sovereign God there in, on that road. In other words, uh, what happened to Paul? He was born again. He was saved. He was redeemed. And Paul was, as it was, taken out of the line of condemnation. And folks, we're all born in that line. He, we're born sinners by nature. And Saul, Paul now, was in that line of condemnation. And he was taken out of that line of condemnation that moment and put in the line of redemption. And in the line of redemption, that new nature is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's why the new nature is in us. And that's the will of God for each person who is a child of God, to be conformed to the image of Christ so you will reflect Christ to all around you. When people look at a Christian, who should they see, Christian? They should see the reflection of Christ in your life. And that's a growing process. So let's listen how Paul writes this conversion down, this being born again down. And he's writing from experience, y'all. Romans 8, 9, I'm sorry, Romans 10, verse 9. He says it this way, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth 
confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So from experience, Paul says you must believe. Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. And you must confess your heart's belief with your mouth. And you'll be saved. Have you believed? Have you called on Jesus? Have you been taken out of that line of condemnation and placed in the line of redemption? Oh, happy day if you have. If not, today can be your happy day to believe, to confess, to receive and be saved and become a child of the Most High God. Well, that's my two comments to help us understand uh, the Scripture today. Christ is love, and this love conquered Paul. And it can conquer you. Pray that it already has conquered most of you. So let's pray and we'll go to our text. Father, we thank you for your visit here today already. In the prayers and the singing, Lord. And we ask you now to be in the midst of us today. Stir our hearts, Lord. You're here. Stir our hearts. Stir the hearts of your children to believe, stir the hearts of those who don't know you yet or have not confessed you yet to confess and believe and receive from you. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us today. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Get the stubbornness out of our hearts today. Make our hearts open 100% to you that we would receive your truths today and we would bring you glory and honor in the way we live. Revive us, revive us, O oh God, that we would truly receive all of your love today and forever after that. And it's in Jesus' blessed and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Well, our text today is Romans 8, and I've added two verses, 33 through 39. In the New King James Version is what I'll read. So, uh, Grace Church, hear the word of God. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, even in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the living God. Well, old Paul here has posed three questions to us. And he answers all three of them for us. But they're to stir us up to make sure we're walking in this love that he talks about. The first two questions are to to establish the ultimate authority concerning love and its triumphant, inescapable power for every believer, for every believer. Then he leads us not only to know God is love, but persuades us to place our confidence in that love, that it will carry us on through life as more than conquerors. And to experience this love daily, folks, he's out for us to experience this, not just know about it, not just to say, yeah, that's great stuff. He wants you to live it day by day through your struggles. And I think one thing I know for sure as an elder of this church, everybody in here struggles. Everybody in here has problems and pressures. But you also have love. And he wants us to grab a hold at the day and live it and come out of here knowing the rest of our lives will be a walking with Jesus this way. <clears throat> Friends, Can I tell you this? Love is the greatest ingredient of all humanity. Love is the greatest ingredient in all of humanity because love never fails. Love always wins and love never ever ends. Why is this? Because God is love. I want you to examine yourselves this morning and tomorrow morning and every morning from hereafter, examine yourselves and ask these questions. Am I really experiencing this love? Am I really walking in this love? Am I really living in this love? Or have I got my eyes on the world and all those problems? or my own struggles that I have to put up with. Folks, God's calling you today to live in that love. And you can, for it's inescapable, triumphant love, and it's for every child of God there is. If you're in here, or if you're in the world anywhere, or ever will be, there's a word there's a Christian, this love is for you and for me. Well, uh, uh, on a personal note, just a few weeks before I was asked to preach this sermon, and I was all set to preach on uh, somewhere over in Joshua 1, but they told me we was going to preach in uh, Romans 8, and I said, okay. But just a few weeks before I was uh, going to preach here, uh, <clears throat> asked to preach this sermon, I was camping with Jesus. I recommend that. I was camping with Jesus in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And, and as I met with him and fellowshiped with him, and I, it was like he was saying to me, I want you to really experience my love. And it was under a conviction that, 
And I told him, Jesus, I'm not leaving this passage of Scripture until your love changes me. Well, I'm still camping there because I want to experience this love like he's instructed me to and like he's prayed for me to and also you. Uh, Teach me your way is my prayer every morning. Teach me your way, O Lord. Revive me according to your word in Ephesians 3 to experience your love daily. Now, the reason I throw that in there is because Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, describes this inescapable love. All right? God just don't say it and then leave you to figure it out. He tells us what it is, okay? Well, uh, in verse uh, to our scriptures now again, in verse 33, we have our first question. Remember, there was three of them. Our first question is like, who can bring a charge or who can accuse God's beloved children or God's elect? Who can do that? God has proved his love for us. He gave us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And we are wrapped in his righteousness. So when accused, the Father God, Father looks at Jesus' righteousness wrapped around us and says, you're not guilty. You're not guilty. You're flawless in my sight. All he can see is Christ's code of wrap around love so he do, it doesn't matter what the charge is or the accusation is nor who brings it for the ultimate judge has already issued his final verdict over us not guilty not guilty so who can bring a charge it doesn't matter as old Paul was uh, People brought charges against him uh, many times. Many different peoples brought charges against him, accused him, and he suffered for it, folks. But his confidence, his confidence grew. And in, in God's triumphant love, our confidence can grow as we go through our trials and tribulations, our problems, our pressures our troubles. The second question is verse 34, who can condemn us? When Romans 8, 1, the first verse says there's no, condemn, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, he, so Christ cannot condemn us. He gave his life for us. He has conquered death. He is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. And he is ruling today as the king of glory and the high priest of heaven. And he, right now, this moment, is interceding for his children because he loves us. Because he loves us. <clears throat> and he says, my love for you is triumphant love. My love for you is inescapable love. So as Paul was condemned, his confidence in Christ's love only grew. And all of the condemnations there were could never separate him from Christ's love. Now, 
ask you a question. Is God's <clears throat> used people's other things, condemnations and accusations, no matter how real or false they were, to persuade you that the child of God can never be separated from the love of God? Do you let those trials and tribulations bring that about, or do you pout? You know what I mean? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Or do you stop and you look and see the face of Christ and see the love of God looking at you? and realize He's living in you, and realizing you're more than conquerors through Him who lives in you like that. So, uh, <laughs> I tell some folks, Pete, sometimes I, I have a lot of little idiosyncrasies about stuff, and I, I tell folks, if you, if you gaze and you're praising. So are you gazing on Christ today? If you are, you'll be praising. Okay, well, verse 35 <clears throat> gets down to the original text, and it's the third question, so I couldn't start with third question, not leave out the first two. So uh, the third question, who can separate us from Christ's love? So as we look at this, to separate means to pull apart, to divorce, to come between, to put a wedge between, to weaken it, to diminish. Who can separate us? Who can separate us? Who is us? Us, the folks who are believers, who've been rescued from their sin, who's been redeemed, who's been adopted, and who's been saved, born again, uh, beloved children of God. That's the us. And there's some us's in here today. Most of this room is filled up with us's. Who can separate us? It's a good question. People are trying to separate us from different things. They bring all kinds of accusations and condemnations against us. But don't do no good. Who can separate us from Christ's love? Now, Christ's love, a little expanding on that. Christ's love is of great magnitude. It's an ocean big love. It's an endless love. It's astonishing love. It's a deeply intimate love. It's an enduring love. It's a far reaching love. It's inclusive. It's omnipotent, all-powerful. It's eternal love. It's passionate love. It's a triumphant love. It's an inescapable love. Who can separate us from Christ's love? Absolutely no one. Okay? Absolutely no one. <clears throat> Now, Paul goes on here in this, these verses we've already read. He lists seven assaults that have tried to separate him from Christ's love. And <clears throat> these seven assaults and many more have come against each of you, and they will keep coming against you. And can they separate you from Christ's love? No. But will they try? Yes. And it's your reaction to that that he's asking you to, to, to check out. Are you, are you uh, facing these 
in the face of his love. Your tribulation is one of them. Your distresses. Anybody got distress in here? Uh, your persecution, your famine, your nakedness, your peril or dangers, your sword, the sword that comes against you. Uh, they all came against Paul. And we're going to look at the list of Paul's troubles here in 2 Corinthians 11. And uh, folks, he's not writing this from no classroom theory. He's writing it because he's been in the war. And he knows what works. He knows what's needed. So uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 24, it starts, From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Count them up. 195 lashes. They'd rip his shirt off and they would tie him up and they would beat him. And they would probably say, Are you going to stop proclaiming this Messiah named Jesus Christ? And he went off and they got him again and beat him because he wouldn't quit. Five times they've done that. Three times I was beaten with a rod. And I can't determine how that felt. But I've been hit with a stick before and I didn't like it. <clears throat> and beating him three times. Stop proclaiming Christ to the world around you. Stop. But he kept on going. So what did they do next? He said, they said they stoned him. Now stoning somebody was a death sentence. And, and Paul was there, Saul was there when they stoned Stephen in chapter 7 of Acts. The, the stoning someone is a death sentence. They was going to stop him from proclaiming Christ's love to us. But did he? Did they? No. They lit him from dead. And they didn't have no uh, 911 back then. Okay? So God had to take care of him and raise him up. And he did. Did, did that, that cause Paul to go hide in a cave somewhere and say, I'm not going to speak of Christ anymore? No. He was persuaded more than ever about the love of Christ living in him. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. And then he lists eight more dangers and six more struggles that he has. And listen, fear and pain did not stop Paul from walking with Jesus, from, from being his love carrying him on into following Jesus and proclaiming the glorious name of Jesus. Now, folks, uh, that's what this is all about. Are you, you, you're proclaiming Christ to somebody. You're an aroma to Christ to somebody around you at work, in your home. They see you. They, are they seeing this reflection of Christ in your life? Are they seeing this you? <laughs> well, we all had bad days, right? You got bad days. I hear about them all the time. And sometimes we have long struggles in our life. But Paul was the poster boy for sufferings as he followed Jesus, didn't he? In Acts 2, I mean in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, we get a glimpse of, of Paul's mindset about this, his heart, how he felt about this. Now listen, uh, notice when I read this verse, these verses, notice the us, the we, and the our. Paul wasn't talking just about Paul. 
He was talking about all of us who are believers. Listen to what he says. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You just got a glimpse of his light afflictions, didn't you? Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. So every time they hit you and knock you down, you ought to just jump up and say, praise the Lord. Not go over and hide in your closet and feel bad for yourself. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, this tent I'm living in is my tent. It's a temporary tent, okay? One day I'm coming out of here, folks, and I'm going to be with him, but this is a temporary tent. Where do you put your focus? He says, for the things which are not seen are temporary, but the which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look at the eternal value of his love in you. So Paul, even even in the midst of all of these troubles, was living in triumphant, inescapable love with Christ. And this is for all of us beloved children of God. Folks, we have the same exact love that Paul has. We have the same exact Jesus that Paul has. And the exact same confidence is ours to live and experience. And the Holy Spirit is using Paul's troubles to persuade us. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Fix your mind and your heart on that. Please. Paul is our example, our confidence booster that nothing on earth or in the universe has the power to separate us, beloved children of God, from Christ's love because his love is omnipotent love and he lives in us. Christians, Beloved children of God, don't waste your time looking at an ever-changing world. You have to look at it, but don't waste your time and be caught up in it. Instead, open up your Jesus book and meet Jesus there. Come to know his wondrous presence every time you open this up or meditate on words that you've remembered. Let him teach you how to walk in his love. Then you will reflect Jesus. Then you will smell like Jesus to all around you. That's God's will for Christian. Well, God wants us to know him as love, right? But he don't measure out his love to us as individuals like we've, we could earn it and or, or, he, or promise us his love in a greater degree if we can only live up to certain standards he has. No. No. God gave us all of his love when he gave us his son. And God is love. So nothing can separate us from Christ's triumphant, inescapable love. Nothing. It's going to try. 
I mean, this ain't something you can say, well, I'll, I'll wonder about that later on. No, it's already hit you and bit you, and it's going to chase you all the days of your life while you're down here. <clears throat> but remember what God wants you to do. Well, to end up here, we're going to show two slides, one of Ephesians 3, my favorite, and one of Romans 8. And I'll read them, and while I'm reading them, you look at them on the wall. They're going to be on the wall, okay? So you get the eye and the ear. And then I'll pray, and then we're going to sing a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, hymn, an old Welch love song, 1904 Welch revival song called Here is Love. And there's four stanzas, but the third stanza or verse, I want you to let it come in soaking you. I want you to absorb it. I want you to learn to pray it. I want you to hunger for it. And it'll change you when you face your sufferings. <clears throat> All right. So, church, Grace Church, again, hear the Word of God is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 in the uh, Passion Translation. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child and in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with His divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is His love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for His miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Now Romans 8, 28 to 39. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His design purpose. For He knew all about us before we were born. <clears throat> and He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. 
This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does all of this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Who then would dare accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointing one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted in in, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with a confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heaven. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. No power, excuse me, there is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, the word of God, Grace Church. Father, I'm asking you this morning to take uh, weak, us weak folks, Lord, and I'm asking you to strengthen us. I'm asking you to revive us, O oh Lord, that we could experience, continually experience this triumphant inescapable love which is in us right now. 
Lord, would you do it for your glory? In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.